Hi, this is Donna Otto. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Modern Homemakers. We're very glad you came. And if you have come to our site, you have seen that today's title is Lent is Coming. So what? Oh, I've been thinking about this and I've been thinking about how to talk to you about it. And so I decided that I was going to take a time together. So if you're not interested in Lent, this is the time to push the button because what we're going to talk about today, why Lent, when Lent, how come Lent, how long Lent, what do I have to do Lent, okay? So what is Lent? Why do some churches practices and some don't? How long is Lent? And what will I have to do for Lent? And do I have to wear ashes for 40 days? No, 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 yes and no, and I'm going to answer all of those questions. My story, for those of you who've been around, you know my story of faith and my growing in faith. But my story in church is that I have three strong denominations that my history represents. And they're in order, Roman Catholicism, Pentecostalism, we used to call them Pentecostals, and fundamentalism. And it wasn't until I was maybe 55 years old that I was struck. I can still remember I was standing in front of a window at someone's home, and the topic was denominationalism, and I was struck that I had these three major, like a trinity, of denominational experiences in my life. And more than that, I was immediately struck with how God has used them in that I have traveled this world, particularly this country, spoken to churches of all denominations, of all denominations. My mother died oh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago now. And I we got rid of everything and, you know, disposed of all the tangible stuff and and but we left two boxes of memorabilia. We had done the same thing with David's parents because in the process of that, you're thinking a lot about practicality and getting rid of, and we can't have all this stuff. And But like pictures and albums and, and notes and personal things that were really personal to them. So I had these two perfect boxes full of my mother's things. And in that, I found a pile, I didn't count them, but there had to be 40 or 50 of them, of postcards. And I, I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten I'd done it. But during my most extensive traveling few years, I don't know, there were 10 or 12 of them, I started sending postcards to my godchild from every city and state I went to, and to my mom. And they all were just like nothing. She had picked out, I don't know, 30 of them. And I thought, merciful Percy's, I, have, I was everywhere. <laughs> I was Pittsburgh, yeah, I was there. Uh, San Francisco, yeah, I was there. Atlanta, yeah, I was there. I, I was there. And I thought, isn't that interesting what people save? And in this trilogy, um, my mother's relationship to this faith was really twofold. So she sent me to Catholic church and school because my father was Catholic and she didn't feel like she really had any church history. And my father wanted his children to be Catholic. Catholic to him was just a name. He would say that today. And he went to Catholic things. You know, baptisms and weddings were always masses. But So that was my first, 
my first leg of my theological journey. My second was my mom discovered when I was an adolescent teenager, early teenager, that she really found this little church and it was a Pentecostal church, no denomination. It wasn't Assemblies of God. It was just a Pentecostal church. And they had a bus ministry and they would pick me up. So that's what happened. That's how I got my second. And I, I think of this in a like a triangle. So the first angle was Roman Catholicism. That's the left angle. And then the right angle was Pentecostalism. And I, I found a serious faith there. And we talked about love recently on this show. And I'm going to telling you, I should have told those stories because I had no idea what love was embodied. They loved well. They loved me and I was another. I was an ugly duckling kid and they loved me. And then the last was fundamentalism. And by that time, I realized that I really loved God. I really understood what it was to live in the spirit. I really loved practices of faith, but I didn't know much about the Bible. And so we moved to a community and into a church that was a Bible teaching church. That was what they did all the time. So as I moved in faith and discovered men and women like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, leaders in the formation movement, I hungered for more of God. I, I recognized that I have this hunger. And so it, it, it pleases me to say to you today, Lent is coming, so what? Well, so what? It is an extraordinary opportunity for those of you who are pulling on your ear or biting on your fingernail or buying another book and reading another something and you're still having this absence of a truthful hunger for more of God, for more of God, for more of God. And these writers spoke to me and to my family and so I want to pass to you what those writers did and my trilogy of faith did for me. So they, they spoke of spiritual transformation. So they're called the spiritual formation movement, but they spoke of spiritual transformation, spiritual transformation. And it, it wasn't just that they were speaking of it. They had a brilliant idea. They were speaking of things that we found in the scripture. And we find Paul, particularly in chapter three of Second Corinthians, he says, and all of us with unveiled faces, seeing the glory of the Lord as though reflected in a mirror are being transformed into the same image. Could I be transformed into the same image and seeing the glory of the Lord from one degree of glory to another. And it, it just, it absolutely answered these questions that I had. Like, yes, I want to be, I want to be transformed. I want to go from one image to another image. I want that to happen to me. And I don't know how to do that. I'm a doer. And most of what I began to do turned me into being more of a beer. Uh, one of the first books I read re was recommended by a person who had been long time in spiritual formation work and said, I want you to read this book. It's called On Becoming Human. I laughed out loud. I said, I'm already human. I got that one. Like, we don't need to read that one. No, no, just read it. Just read it. Humor me. And I did. And that book helped me so much to understand that human nature was about being, that loving one another was about being, not doing. And then I wondered if transformation meant that I should be born again and again and again and again. No, 
but there were places that I was hungering for and learning, yearning for. And I knew that the Father and the Son and the Spirit, the Trinity, resided in me, but I didn't really know how to interface with each of them. New words crept into my vocabulary, into my reading, like space, making space for God. I thought, what does that mean? God is God. He has all the space in the world. What is, what is making space for God? Holy, holy longings, journey, intimacy with Jesus. And I thought intimacy with Jesus, like I know what intimacy is. That's with my husband. That's like, that's the only word there is. Oh no. And if you haven't listened to Doug Kelly's two sessions with us and he'll come again about intimacy with Jesus and how it affects our life, please do that. That's a few days ago. And then Elizabeth Elliot, who you all know how I felt about her, if you've listened to me at all. And 25 years ago, she gave me a book. It was called The Sacrament of the Present Moment. Well, that was kind of a big mouth title, I thought, until she described the author's name. It was Jean-Pierre de Cossade. And I thought to myself, oh, great, a book with an author whose name I can't pronounce or spell. How happy am I? But when Elizabeth recommended something, I was quick to respond to it. This book was a 300-year-old classic, and it became guidance to me, spiritual guidance and enlightenment to me. It, it was done wisely and provided hope and a powerful stirring about what daily practices could do to change my life. And I began doing some of them. And Lent was one of them. Lent was one of them. It opened a whole world of writers and people who I actually believe I'm standing with you on their shoulders. They were the men and women of generations of, of hundreds of years ago. Not just 300 years ago, but 1,200 years ago, 1,500 years ago. They were hermits and monks and nuns and lay people who were searching the same way I was searching, and they were trying very unusual ways, including founding organizations like the Franciscans. Now, some of you are wondering if I've returned to my Catholic roots. I have not. I have not. Not any more than I've returned to my fundamental roots or my charismatic Pentecostal roots. Deciding on what to read, what church to attend, where to learn, is a very freeing thing if we have our roots grounded in the Word of God. I can spot, I'm not, I'm not afraid of reading something that's not written by a writer who believes exactly as I am. Goodness, if the Lord can use a donkey to make someone understand something, he certainly can use a gifted writer who had a different direction, but was very practicing the present moment, that there's a sacrament in that. We don't even use the word sacrament very often in our everyday language. Marriage is a sacrament. Present moment is all I have. I talked about love and thinking that Valentine's Day could be more important than any other day of the year. Oh, talk about missing the moment, missing the sacrament of the moment. And so I began to be much freer in what I was reading I found that I was able to read something and not just take it in. I wasn't a chameleon. I used to think of myself as a chameleon because I'm highly emotional and really don't ever put a great film before me and ask me to give money to it because I have my checkbook out before the film is over. 
But the Lord had to help me understand that, yes, he had given me the gift of giving, but he had also given me a gift of wisdom and a brain to use to understand what I should give to, what I should read, what I should believe, what I should accept. So I digress a little there. But I went to see a priest of a very small church in my neighborhood, and I asked if I could come for Ash Wednesday services, which is the beginning of Lent. And he said, sure, come come and take ashes if you want. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm an adult now and I haven't had ashes on my forehead since I was a young kid, but it was a real change point because Lent for me was following something that Jesus himself had done. He went away for 40 days. And I also found that Lent was about preparation. Well, you know, if you know me, you know preparation is huge in my life. It's huge. It is the thing that I count on. It is the reminder that Jesus prepared our bodies. God prepared our bodies for women for nine months before they would give birth, that we prepare for important things. And nothing is more important than my walk of faith. And nothing was I more hungry for than being transformed from one glory to another glory. And Lent was about preparation. It was about preparation of my heart but it was also about preparation for what had become my favored religious holiday. That was very transforming in and of itself because Christmas was always it. I still help women teach about Christmas. We have a whole a seminar that's online that you can watch of getting reg getting organized for Christmas. Oh, man, no, you can't watch it yet. Nope, erase that. You will be able to watch it. We did the last videoing, and it's not edited and up yet. But I, I love Christmas, and I think it's an important time for us to center in, to be organized and prepared so we don't let the world take it over. But all of a sudden, I saw Easter differently. I saw the week of weeks which I began teaching about and the basket that I began teaching about how to help families. And it wasn't just a week of weeks anymore. It wasn't just what Jesus did the last week of his life, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Good Friday, Saturday, quiet, waiting for Sunday's resurrection. It was how did I prepare my heart for this amazing transformational piece of history that changed who I was. The season of Lent became a time for me to stop, to pause, to prepare. You know, the great Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And I found that in Lent, I was far more restful. I was far more restful because I was called to do something different. I was called to take these 40 days and know I've never gone for a 40-day. Oh, I dream about it sometimes. I was going to take the 500-mile pilgrimage walk and have 40 days, but I didn't because of health reasons, my knee. And then I read Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 12. The beloved of the Lord rests in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long. The beloved rests between his shoulders. His shoulders. It's between our shoulder blades that we often rest our heart on someone's, our head on someone's shoulder. I am the beloved. You are the beloved. Lent is as big or as little as you'd like it to be. Five minutes a day.
fasting for 40 days like Jesus did. Fasting one day a week. There are no rules to it. There are no rules to it. It is something bigger than we are, though. And I'm going to end with this. It's something bigger than I am alone. And I'm united with a mass of people around the world who take these 40 days to stop and prepare their hearts for Easter, to stop and examine, allow Christ to move in in a different way, practice something you've never practiced before. And we've all heard someone say, I gave up for Lent. I, I can't have that donut because I gave up sugar for Lent. W- one year I gave up coffee for Lent. I've told the story so many times. But it was an amazing 40 days because I love my coffee. When my grandson was born and came home from the hospital, he's eight days old. I'm holding him in my arms. His mama is in bed. And I'm saying to him, Samuel, you just must know that next to Jesus, I love my coffee. And you must never touch Nana's coffee cup. I mean, I love my coffee. And giving it up and every day missing it caused something to happen in me. So Lent is coming. So what? Here are the main distinctives that Lent are really set for. Prayer, a new kind of prayer, a different time of prayer, longer prayer. Some prayer, maybe you don't pray at all. Prayer, fasting. Yeah, giving up something is a part of the whole idea that these 40 days would look different and it's modeled after Christ. But it might not be fasting every day. It might not be fasting one thing. It might be fasting... Uh, whatever it is, but don't don't let someone else make it up for you. Do it for yourself. And then the last thing is about giving. Giving. Lent is a time that's set aside for us to talk about prayer, fasting, and giving. And I love that the church makes time for that. There are so many opportunities, so many opportunities for us to engage in. So there you have it. Lent. So what? That's what it is. It's 40 days. Yes, some churches practice them. Some of them don't. And what shall you do? I don't know. But I want you to know that I want to encourage you to do something. And I want to encourage you to find a a church that does ashes. Lots of churches do ashes. Lutheran churches, Anglican churches, Catholic churches, Episcopal churches. Find a church and ask if you can come for their service, if it's open to the public, and then wear ashes for one day, knowing that you are one of millions and millions of people around the earth who this day stand up tall with an ash cross on their forehead that says, I love Jesus. It's one of the things I love about Ash Wednesday. I so seldom get a chance to do that like everywhere I go. So welcome to Lent. And we're going to talk about Lent just a little bit the next 40 days. And uh, next time we're together is actually Ash Wednesday. So I'm going to talk about something having to do with the beginning of Lent. Bless you. Thank you for joining us. So many things on our website. You know, it dances and sings. Please help us in our home builders, 87, 87 people who would pledge to give some kind of donation every month for the next 12 months, and it can be $10 or whatever number of dollars you want to give. It can be small or medium or big, 
but know that will all go toward helping modern homemakers build modern families in 2018. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and consider Lent this year. Thank you.